Hey, Taste Buds, you want to improve your golf game this season? Well, first of all, you should listen to Fairway Rolling Podcast featuring me, Joe House. But you can also get access to the biggest names in golf instruction. Names like Butch Harmon, David Ledbetter, Jim McClain, and Hank Haney with a subscription to Golf Digest Schools. You can send videos of your swing to be analyzed by a Golf Digest ranked teacher, and you get a one-year subscription to Golf Digest magazine. Visit golfdigest.com slash all access and use promo code CARBS to get 30% off an annual subscription. That's golfdigest.com slash all access, A-L-L-A-C-C-E-S-S, promo code C-A-R-B-S, CARBS, to get 30% off an annual subscription. Hungry Homies, today's episode of House of Carbs also brought to us by Old El Paso. Dinner, my friends, should never be boring. That is why Old El Paso never stops bringing the fun of taco night to your home. They believe taco night is the one meal that gets everyone excited to come to the table. Even the pickiest 70-year-old or my picky 8-year-old. That little homie loves tacos and we love making tacos for him. Old El Paso has even designed their shelves and soft tortilla bowls to stand up on their own, leaving more time for talking and filling and less time worrying about mess and spilling. Old El Paso, grab the yellow box. All right, all right, all right, my hungry homies. My culinary comrades, my taste buds, we are back. We've done it. It's another delicious episode of House of Carbs, the food podcast for the hungry people, by the hungry people on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your hungry host, Joe House. My hungry homies, what a special occasion, a special event, a special episode we have for you today. I was very fortunate to be out in Los Angeles, California a couple months ago with my old homie, my old DC running buddy, our taste bud here at House of Carbs, Adam Rappaport. And Adam and I uh, made our way. Adam goes way back with another dude from Washington, D.C., who turned out to be a rock star, a rock legend, Dave Grohl of Nirvana and the Foo Fighters and some bands that we love here in D.C., namely Scream and, and Dane Bramage for me. Uh, Dave Grohl had us over to his house and Rappo uh, and I sat down and did a long conversation with Dave Grohl about barbecue because Dave Grohl is a barbecue maniac. In fact, he launched a barbecue business. It's called Backbeat Barbecue. And he really uh, has taken a passion of his and elevated it into a thing where he's doing benefits. He fed a bunch of the firefighters last year. So we sat down. Rappo uh, leads the way. This is a podcast, a full-length podcast, that you can listen to on the Bon Appetit Foodcast. It's Rappo House and Dave Grohl talking about how Dave found his way into barbecue and, and how he upped his game and where he is right now with it and what he hopes to do with it. It is an incredible conversation. It's a super long conversation, again, on the Bon Appetit 
Foodcast, but we grabbed an excerpt of that for all you taste buds, all of our hungry homies here at House of Carbs. And uh, we broke out, you know, a nice 30-minute segment that talks about how he got into it and and some of the ins and outs of, of his uh, experiences with barbecue. We also this week are doing best thing I ate this week, the homie Brian Curtis, the ringer's own beloved Brian Curtis. You know him from the Press Box podcast and all the great stories that he writes, media-focused stories that he writes. He was in London, England. He tells us a little bit about his experiences uh, eating there. A couple of real eye-openers. Speaking of eye-openers, check out the Instagram, at the House of Carbs. We're going to have pics of Brian's things up, and there's some pics of us with Dave Grohl. Let's get in that belly right now with Brian Curtis. As you know, we like to do here on House of Carbs, we are often checking the office slack to see where in the world all of our other ringer homies are at the moment, where they've been, who's been on a trip. We were very surprised and enthused to observe that today's guest for best thing I ate this week, he is the editor-at-large at The Ringer, co-host of the fantastic Press Box podcast. Brian Curtis was just in London, England. What's happening, Brian Curtis? How are you, House? It's great to talk to you. I'm, it's great. Look, uh, it's been too long. You were one of the original Hungry Homies. Part, House of Carbs got going properly in the summer of 2017. I made a trip out to L.A., and I was... <laughs> uh, uh, you know, honored to sit in the company of you and David Shoemaker. And we did a little walkthrough of your experiences growing up with Texas barbecue. But, you know, that was like almost two years ago. It's been too long, BC. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, uh, you know, I feel, I feel a little underqualified for this podcast because I'm, as an eater, I'm less Danny Chow and more Joey Chestnut, I think. <laughs> but, you know, that's a different perspective. So I just hope I can, hope I can do my best here. Do, do you know who you're talking to? I mean, none <laughs> I know. Of, well, I said I should say less Danny Chow and more Joe House. How about that? There we go. The bar yeah. is very low, Brian Curtis. The, the bar, a, the bar it's a is, spectrum, right? We're all somewhere on the spectrum, yes. and there we are. Yeah, that's you said it. You said it. So uh, you were just in London, Brian. Talk about London. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know that's one of your. If you're not following Brian Curtis on the Twitter, first of all, you're doing something wrong. Um, but you need to follow him because you will you will see he is a uh, a, a piercing critic of the the media world and the the particular interview uh, tropes that some folks f fall upon lazily and and talk about as one of his least favorite uh, techniques. Am I right? <laughs> it sure is. Yeah. Do you want a general okay. London observation though? May I talk about London yes. just for a second before we drill down on some stuff? You have Pret a Manger yes. in the DMV, correct? The Pret a Manger chain. We do. So yeah. I just think if you take a city and you replace all the Burger Kings and Taco Bells with Pret a Manger, as essentially London has done or is or always was, the city kind of goes up a whole letter grade in terms of food because Pret a Manger is such a useful chain to walk in and get a sandwich, to get good coffee, to get a dessert. And just yep. when you just walk around the corner and everything is pret a manger, I just feel like the whole city is a better eating city right off the bat before anything else happens. 
Okay. So we're past the point where folks make the, the old hackney joke about London being a terrible food town. Um, yes. We're kind of like w- way beyond that. We're a full generation uh, past that. Um, what part of town were you in? We were in Fulham in the West. So, you know, okay. kind of over sort of, yeah, just sort of on the West side and had a little Airbnb action over there. And what kind of neighborhoods does that sort of make you proximate to in terms of an eating adventure? Uh, Chelsea, Kensington. Yeah. Uh, but, you Great. know, eating wise, we were we were ready to jump on the tube and basically go anywhere. OK, exciting. So so did you do that? Did you we, jump on the tube we, and go anywhere? We did a couple of big concentrations. One was Indian food because you got to do it yes. in London. And it's here in it's L.A., required. but it's not – I don't think you would call it a giant part of the L.A. food scene. And, you know, everybody it, kept telling us, you got to go to Dishoom for Indian food, of which there okay. are about three or four in London. Are you familiar with Dishoom? No, I don't know them. So it's this big – these giant restaurants. If you want to use the word hipsterized in there, I'm not going to uh, – I'm not going to push back on that. If you want to say – Something less than authentic, pure Indian cuisine. I will also not push back on that. But yeah, house, fantastic. I mean, you walk in. Yes. They send you down to the basement, which is called the permit room. Sort of like you're immigrating to this restaurant. <laughs> oh, and no. They send you a little up. bit. I know, I know. I know. We're that already, feels we're, fraught. That feels a little fraught, BC. We're already a little fraught. I, I, again, all, take all that with a grain of salt. But they, they set you up down there with a drink. <laughs> I had the best old fashioned I've ever had in my life. So, you know, and wow. it came out and here's how hipsterized it was. It came out in an, an apothecary bottle and I poured <laughs> it oh over God. the ice. I know, I know, I know, I know. But it was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Well, you you warm up and then they put and then a and then a waiter comes down, puts those on a tray and takes you up two floors to your table to dine after. Yes. 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 I mean it it, it truly delivers that the, 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 the full experience of being below the earth, subterranean, and then you are literally being elevated up for, for your meal. I, and I will say, if there's anywhere that, that an apothecary bottle is going to be authentic, it, it feels like you can get away with it in London. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like a hipster version of Swing in London, you know, from, from like Austin yeah. Powers era. But once you get right. up to the top, so one of the restaurants, it was big and big Art Deco room, gigantic, you know, high ceilings, a bandstand kind of thing. But then the food comes out, and you know, we're talking mm. red curries, we're talking yes. lamb bodhi kebabs, we're talking there was a chili right. chicken that was really good. Of course, lots of non bread. There was a black doll that was really good. Um, awesome. It was a little small plates because every restaurant in the world now says small has small plates. I guess we've just all decided as a society this is all we do. Um, and it we was just fantastic. Accept it. Yeah, we accept it, and it was great. And and let me tell you the 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 amazing secret. So we so we did dinner there. I think we did lunch there and dinner there. And then house, you go back in the morning, and you mm-hmm. get. And this is now we're now we're pushing into the Curtis House zone here fully. You get bacon and egg and chili jam on non bread. So it's like an Indian breakfast sandwich. I mean, are you, are you with me here? <laughs> my, my mouth is open. Am I? You can almost. My jaw hasn't quite hit the floor. This is effing brilliant. Please mm-hmm. continue. I'm. I'm so taken by this. 
Yeah. So just imagine, you know, one of the kind of a nice running egg, some really good bacon slathered in chili jam. So it has this kind of sweetness. The, the naan is fresh and hot. And then next to that oh is like a God. bottomless cup of chai. So you're just kind of oh sipping on that. God. That's nice and spicy. That was a great breakfast. And we did that twice as well. God, God damn it. You know what, BC? That <laughs> It's a reminder. Like, for all that America has accomplished, for all of our terrific standing in the world, and 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 all of you know the democracy that we've exported, and all, all of the things that we we uh, can can point to as crowning achievements, what you just described is so goddamn good. And <laughs> only, all, all, leave it to the effing British to take something. You know, they 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 uh, uh, invaded India. And colonized the f out of it, and you know finally uh, had to had to you know make make a deal to get themselves out of there, but they exported the very 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 best part of it, and and here it is 2019. You're having an incredible breakfast. I mean the hot non thing with a runny egg. I I I'm literally on the floor right now. <laughs> we had to go back the day we left we had like depart you know our flights out are like three o'clock i said we don't we have to go back this morning and just have that one more time and we did it was amazing you, you had to i mean that that's you know that, that feels like a high water mark um but i know you had a couple <laughs> other experiences what else yeah just one i mean the other the other sort of one that it really comes to mind was middle eastern mediterranean food Right. I mean, that's, a, you know, something we were seeking out in London and we went to this place called Honey and Co. And okay. the owners worked in the Ottolenghi Empire and then kind of went and now are doing their own thing. And it was amazing because we walk in. It's a little Brooklyn looking small little restaurant, but there's a tasting menu where you get all the appetizers. You just start out with everything. So hummus mm. and labna and, you know, tabbouleh and everything. I mean, just this whole you know, six, seven, eight dishes on the table for my wife and I, which was fantastic. Falafel, the whole, the whole business. And that was great. Yeah. And then, and then they said, well, what do you want for your, for your main course? And, and I said, well, what's good? And the, the waiter said, well, you got to try the chicken shish kebab. Now I know enough about food to know the Anthony Bourdain rule that anybody that orders chicken at a restaurant doesn't really know what they want to order. Uh, so I was a little, <laughs> a little skittish, but then uh, I said, okay, if, if you're in on it and it comes out, it's basically green because it's just covered in like sweet garlic and parsley stuff. And then it's on this oh. bed of not of instead of rice or whatever we might expect a shish kebab to be on. It's on this bed of feta and herb and pea salad. Very British, right? Oh, wow. and wow. so and it's so tender and so juicy. So when you cut a piece of the chicken off, you're then putting it in the savory cheese and peas and everything else. And it just tasted like nothing else. I'd ever had before. It was absolutely incredible. Taking again, this is two for two. Taking a classic, taking something that everybody feels like they have some familiarity with, they know what that that thing is all about. And and by the way, you didn't violate the Bourdain rule. You didn't order it because you didn't know what to order. You ordered it because the waiter told you to order it. Told, <laughs> I mean, right. I it, it can't be the case that they had to push the chicken. It wasn't like, you know, they were worried about uh, uh, the, the, the chicken stash in there. There's plenty of chicken. They, they told you to order it because they wanted you <laughs> to have this unbelievable experience. But again, the bed of feta with that pea salad, and I'm just picturing, you know, s smallish peas with, with, that, with a little crunch to them and the creaminess of the feta and the chicken, you know, some of the, uh, it, was, it was grilled chicken, right? 
some yeah, of that absolutely. rubbing off into the feta. Come on, what are we doing? That was so good. And it just, again, it was just, you, you took a bite and it, it wasn't just that it was so good. It just tasted totally different than anything I expected or really had had before, certainly in that category. Right. Uh, that, that That's the, the whole thing. Both of these experiences, um, you know, did you have any expectations uh, going in? You knew you would eat fine. You would eat well. But wh- how, what was your sort of level of, of uh, anticipation in terms of, of the, the quality of the dining experience you were anticipating? I think pretty high, um, yeah. you know, and kind of, you know, we were there with the whole family. So it was not like, you know, you were there with not, not only my kids, but my in-laws and my mom. And, you know, so you're kind of, you're making a lot of deals. Like, can you watch the kids tonight? Or, you know, our very, my lovely 70-something mom and 70-something in-laws, can we go to a place where everybody's going to understand what's on the menu? Can we just, you know, <laughs> we don't want to go anyplace and everybody looks point. at the menu and looks point. at my wife and I like, what have you done to us? You know, so a lot of pubs mixed <laughs> in there. But, you know, it so was... Wait, you- um, Go you ahead. had your yeah. whole family there at the same time as the Trumps. Were you there with the Trumps? <laughs> we just beat them by a little while. But our it made oh, it made okay. more sense that I took extra people than it did with the uh, with the Trump boys uh, being over there. It was kind of a reason. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it was higher. And I think, you know, just your like average go out, you know, it's Tuesday night. You don't want to do anything fancy. You don't even get on the subway. You just want to walk down the street and hit the pub and get bangers and mash and fish and chips and stuff like that. Even that was just really nice and probably a cut above what we would do, at least down here in Orange County in terms of just walking down the street. And, you know, it was just really nice. So, yeah, I was really happy. And coffee-wise, too, I'm not a coffee snob. I put a a Kurg packet in the machine this morning. Uh, In fact, I'm drinking one right now. But coffee just, you know, door-to-door, place-to-place, lots of little places. I mean, the coffee there was just great, and I miss that, too. Yeah, I, I, uh, there, DC is finally, LA is, has a pretty, um, up and coming, maybe even we're past up and coming and all the way to established, um, coffee scene, but it's, 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 you have to get in the car and drive to get good coffee in Los Angeles. That's the, there's a convenience element to it. You can't just walk out the door and walk down the street, but that's true of like LA. There's no walking out the door and walking down the street anywhere in Los Angeles. No, um, and that's I think but, playing a place like London was like being a place like New York, right? You can wander into good food, and that's yeah, that's well, an incredible luxury. I'm um, uh, not relieved, but like I'm, I'm I'm pleased to hear that you had you went for right down the middle, the cliche, the pub, the bangers and mash, the the <laughs> pint, and had you know an exemplary experience because you know that that again in the same way. You talked about um, a city having the Pret-a-Mages with, you know, you walk in, you're, you you know, you can get something of some caliber of, of, of quality. It, it, it also is a test of the city. If the thing that it's known for, you can walk into any one of, of its establishments and get that thing. And it's a super high class, can't be obtained anywhere else version of that thing. Then you know that this, they're, they're still doing it right. Totally, totally. And it's some, there's something about, you know, I can walk in here and get a great giant piece of fried fish and I will be so happy with that. <laughs> or I could get some yes. good sausages. Yes. And uh, yeah, like I said, especially when you're, you know, you're, you're with kids, you're with your parents, you know, appetites and, 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 and things are a little tricky. Um, it was it was money every single time. 
it's a it's a real challenge it sounds like i'm gonna uh if we had to give this a rating it sounds like you're giving it is it was it a 10 out of 10 god it was london london is a whole absolute 10 out of 10 yeah i know it's such a thing it's unbelievable it's it's always the best london's always the best <laughs> it was and well i just i can't wait with my wife and i were just like we can't wait to get back to do to see people we like and to do things we want to do but also really just to eat yeah <laughs> seriously that's right well speaking of the best <laughs> brian curtis you're the best thanks for coming on let's let's do this less than once every two years can, can we make you, that deal you got it i'm gonna i'm gonna go to an exotic place somewhere in the world merely to get back uh so i can report <laughs> back to you well, the bar isn't that high. You don't have to go anywhere exotic. Just go to Texas. Go go to your old stomping grounds. Uh, <laughs> order up some brisket. Take a picture. You're on. That's all you have to do. <laughs> there you go. It's a deal. I can do that. All right. Thanks, Brian Curtis. Great to talk to you. You too. See you, House. All right. Big thanks to Brian Curtis. What a hungry homie. We need to have him on this show more than once every two years. We're about to jump over to the excerpt of the pod with Dave Grohl. But first, a couple quick words. ZipRecruiter reminds you that finding a new job is a lot of work. Yes, it's true. Finding a new job is a real pain in the ass. The internet is not helpful in that respect. But what if you had your own personal recruiter to help you find a, a better new job? That's ZipRecruiter's technology. They can do that for you. Just download the ZipRecruiter job search app. Let it know what kind of jobs you're interested in. And its technology starts doing the work. The ZipRecruiter app finds jobs you will like and puts your profile in front of employers who may be looking for someone like you. If an employer likes your profile, ZipRecruiter lets you know. So if you're interested in the job, you can apply. No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated job search app. This is a this is a matchmaking app right here, uh, nephew Kyle. House of Carbs listeners should download the free ZipRecruiter job search app today and let the power of technology work for you. Don't wait. The sooner you download the free ZipRecruiter job search app, the sooner it can help you find a better job. Taste Buds Today Show also brought to us by HelloFresh. HelloFresh makes conquering the kitchen a reality with deliciously simple recipes and fresh pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your front door. All meals come together in 30 minutes max. This is why I love HelloFresh. It's true. I've done it. They, 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 this, they call for less than two pots and pans, require minimal cleanup, plus with three different plans to choose from. You can do a classic plan, a veggie plan, family plan. There's something for everyone. So get out of that recipe rut and start cooking outside of your comfort zone. The beautiful thing with HelloFresh, you get you get start cooking outside of your comfort zone, but you can cook comfortable food for yourself. Just this past Monday, a rainy, cooler Monday, really felt like early spring here in the DMV. I cooked up the beautiful Tuscan sausage and pepper spaghetti. It was a spaghetti kind of night. It was a spaghetti kind of start to the week. 
I wanted my starches. I wanted something a little electric. Let's heat it up a little bit. There's a nice little spice to this thing. They give you a, a nice uh, mixture of, of spices. Beautiful fresh parsley on top of this. Of course, a nice dose of, of, of the Parmesan cheese. The Tuscan sausage is, is delicious, very easy to make. It all ends up all in the same pot together that you toss it, you, you finish the dish, of course, with a beautiful pat of butter, a little Parmesan on top, it gives that rich creaminess. The Tuscan sausage and pepper spaghetti in the house household, now in my belly, for $80 off your first month of HelloFresh. Go to hellofresh.com slash carbs 80 and enter the code carbs 80 that's hellofresh.com slash carbs 80 then you enter the code carbs 80 for $20 off each of your first four boxes that's a great deal 20 bucks off each of the first four boxes is a nice savings hellofresh.com slash carbs 80 code carbs 80 do it now um okay so Apparently, we're here to do a podcast about barbecue. Uh, I forgot about that part. Um, <laughs> Look out the window. There's a giant. There's a, there's a giant rig, smoker rig out the window. That's my rig. All right. So, so Dave. So, okay. our, our mutual friend Alex Ince, nay Alex Varley. Yes. She texted me at some point a few months back, and she's like, "Oh well, you know, Dave's got like this like barbecue thing he's got going on right now." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And like backbeat barbecue, and I, oh. I'm like, "What?" It's like it's on Instagram. So I went on Instagram. I'm like, is this like a real thing or is it like an instagram account because you know and i was like oh wait it is like a real thing so ish real ish so, yeah. so at what point when when did your interest in barbecue sort of take hold so um when nirvana became popular um that record nevermind came out in 1991 in the fall of 1991 and by the spring of 1992, it was just so gigantically huge that we were all making a lot of money, which is something we never had. Like in Scream, you know, per diem was $7.50 a day. And you're like, okay, that means two tacos and two packs of cigarettes. And, you know, and it was kind of like that in Nirvana too, until that record really blew up. And then all of a sudden it was just like, oh my God, what the fuck? And everyone was like, don't be an idiot. You have to buy a house. Don't like waste this money. Buy a house. Don't be stupid. So I should have bought a house in Seattle. But because I was 21 and didn't know anything about anything, I bought a beach house in Nags Head, North Carolina. <laughs> and so, How'd you pick that? Because we had gone down there a bunch. Yeah, and like, as a so when we were young, we, would, we didn't go to Rehoboth. We went to Ocean City. Ocean City. Ocean City. We didn't go to Rehoboth. We went to Ocean City. Um, but if we weren't going there, uh, we would go down to Nags Head, North Carolina. <clears throat> There's an area a little bit north of there called Corolla. It's up by this lighthouse up there. And so I, I bought a house in Corolla. And um, when I and then spent the entire summer of 1992 there. And all I did every day was eat North Carolina pulled pork barbecue oh, that was it goodness gracious and that's where i really started to realize like oh this is like this is special this is different you don't get this anywhere else it's just here and um still to this day like i you cannot find i've been to places and ordered their north carolina pulled pork north carolina style right yeah, and it's yeah. just and they could try as fucking hard as they can but it's just not the fucking same and so that's where i got really into it and there was this place right up by the, it was like 
Currituck Lighthouse or something like that. There was this little fucking tiny shack that sold pints of that barbecue. And I got it all the fucking time. Like I'd just get a pint until it ran out. And then I'd go get another pint. And it ran out. And just that on a white bun with slaw. And that was fucking it. And to me, that's where I started thinking like, oh, this is barbecue. Wow. Okay. Barbecue is not like hamburgers and fucking hot dogs on a grill. Barbecue is is something that's um, that's very simple, but like so sublime in, in how complex it can be to really zero in on that thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so then that's kind of where I got into it, but I didn't really start cooking it until the last like five or six years. And that, and then it just became this slippery slope of like trying to get back to that thing mm-hmm. where you're like, oh shit, I just did it. Wow, I just did it. So what was your gateway moment? Did you like buy a big green egg or something? Or what What was that first thing? It's kind of, yeah. So, okay. So I broke my leg once falling off the stage when we were playing live. And risk, risks of the of the profession. It's yeah. true. You, you um, made that beautiful throne. When I had the throne, yeah. That was, that was a fucking rock star throne. So yeah. So what was the very first thing you made on the big green egg? Do you remember? Uh, I think usually the go-to for anyone is like, I'm just going to try ribs. Yeah. Because mm. you just imagine like, that's barbecue. That's, yeah, exactly. It's on the fucking Chili's commercials. Like yeah. that's that's what it is. <laughs> that's barbecue. Bar, and so I didn't go straight to like to I didn't go straight for the brisket. No. I didn't go straight for the pork butt. I yep. didn't do the shoulder. I was like, I'm just gonna try a fucking rack of ribs. And um, you know, I went on YouTube and I watched some fucking guy. I have YouTube heroes. I gotta I gotta give a shout out to my my number one YouTube barbecue guy, Malcolm Reed. Okay. Malcolm sure. Reed, dude. I've watched every single one of his things. And he's just some guy that cooks in his backyard. Is he a green egg guy or does he he's, he'll, he'll yeah. do anything? Yeah. He's got a bunch of different yeah. smokers, a bunch of different cookers. And anyway, so um, so I did a fucking rack of ribs and served it to the kid. And I didn't I didn't even know like how much to make. Like how, I didn't even know how many ribs were in a fucking rack. <laughs> I was just like, you, I think I got a rack. Yeah. And I just went and got did, it on did there. Did you make a dry rub first or you... I like bought some rub. Yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. went to barbecues galore and yeah. bought like a rub and you know, got peeled the membrane off and it was and it, they were they were baby backs. And so uh peeled the membrane off and got the rub on and put it on there and held the temperature on the egg and gave it the right amount of smoke and foiled them after a few hours and took them off. And it was like served them to the kids. And they were just like, you do, you do barbecue. (laughs) I was like, wow. (laughs) But everybody just got like two ribs. I didn't make enough. So it was kind of a drag. And then I'm like, Oh shit, I'm doing this tomorrow. So then I went and then, you know, like with anything, most musicians are obsessive, compulsive weirdos, mm-hmm. whether it comes down to the instrument that they play or um, arrangement or composition or whatever it is, like your mind sort of works in that way that you're just always trying to like one up the thing that you've done or perfect the or get into that place where you're playing your instrument, but you're not thinking about it. And it's kind of the same, like the parallels between making music and making food are fucking insane. Like Mm. those two things are so similar. It's just kind of the attention to detail and everything from that to serving, to performing, to recipe, to composition, to to the, like the sense of accomplishment. There's an audience that someone's going to appreciate. Absolutely. And that's all that you're doing. You're not Mm. cooking food 
just so that you can look at it and go, wow, that's cool. You're cooking food so somebody else is going to eat it and go, fuck, that was amazing. Yeah. It's the same thing as, it's, it's like the same thing. I didn't know it at the time, but I started getting really into it like, ooh, right. Uh, and I had nothing to do. I'm home from being on tour for fucking ever and I can't really walk around. So I'm doing like physical therapy three hours a day and then just cooking. And so I did that for a year or two or three and just became a total spaz. So what, what was like your neck if, if like baby back ribs or the entryway thing you make on a green egg, what, was that, what was that get, what was that next step up? What was, what was it? Where well, for like, me, oh, the next step get, up was like, Oh game. shit. I just fucking, now I've got like, now I can, I can, I can make a rack of ribs that people will enjoy. I'm like, now I'm going to go to the pork butt and I'm going to fucking pull it and I'm going to invite my mom over here and I'm going to make a North Carolina sauce and I'm going to give her her first fucking pulled pork sandwich since we had that house in North Carolina. And so I- That's a lot of pressure. It is. And I mean, you know, I will never get to what the real, like someone yeah. like Sam Jones or mm -hmm. like one of the real North Carolina dudes will do, you know. Did, like you, the, the, did, you, did you talk it up to your mom first or were you like, I'm going to surprise her? No, I said like, hey, I think I'm going to do some pulled pork and I'm going to make a vinegar based sauce and come over and we'll have sandwiches. She was like, oh, my God. Did you make a slaw? I think my mom brought the okay, slaw. Cool. I do make a slaw now. Yeah. But at the time, I think she brought it. But yeah, so it was just fucking pork on a white bun so with slaw. So how did it turn out? Bam. It was great. I mean, it's, you know, if you go to somewhere like, um, I was just in Asheville, North Carolina, and I went to uh, Buxton. Oh, barbecue yeah. Buxton Hall. We had them at and, our best new restaurants issue. A oh, years dude, ago. man, Those Elliot, is that? Yeah. yeah. How great is Elliot? Greatest. He's such yeah. a badass. I mean, when you go and eat, like he, that's he. That's the and real they do. Deal. I don't know if you've been there house, but they do whole been. hog. So they do the entire. He does whole hog and, and he cooks and on this kick-ass pit. Oh, yeah. That's made by this guy Sam Jones. Yeah. Who is the fucking? I mean, I have pictures of this guy Sam Jones. It's embarrassing because I just met him and I freaked out on him so hard. Yeah. Like he was a beetle. I freaked <laughs> yeah, out on him. I was just like, oh my god, I can't believe it too. Um, but like, I have a picture on my phone of him cooking on the same pit that his like grandfather was cooking on in the thirties. Yeah, like it's that's that's hardcore shit. Yeah. So anyway, was my was was my sandwich like one of theirs? Not even yeah. fucking close. <laughs> but I was basically just doing it to make my mom happy. Yeah. Like I've flown in blue crabs from the fucking bay sure. on a G4 <laughs> just so my mom could fucking have them. Now that's a rock star shit right yeah. there. Yeah. Not kidding. Yeah, no, I believe it. So what, all right, so I, what, what I find so fascinating about barbecue as a medium is that there's so much passion and patience involved, but it's, it's such a subtle art also. Like the difference between a really amazing brisket yeah. and a mediocre one. It's the same piece of meat. It's the same yeah. salt and pepper and stuff on there. So how did so how did you sort of begin to elevate the, a, a pork butt from that first time to like oh you began you began to get a more nuanced understanding of the smoke, the temperature, yeah. all those sort of the things. Wood. A lot of time yeah. and a lot of experimentation. Like okay, this time I'm going to ease up on the smoke, or this time I'm I'm going to change the rub a little bit. This time, uh, my sauce, I'm going to, I'm going to add, I'm going to ease up on the fucking, I'm going to ease up on the, on the red pepper. Just, you know, you just do it like until you get to the point where you can do it sort of in your sleep, you know? And once you get into that rhythm where there's no like panic movement in your cook and you just kind of feel it out. I mean, it's like, you know, I didn't take lessons to play drums, but I can tell like this, like th this part of the song needs a push. Yeah. Like you just sort of know 
when that's supposed to happen. And I think a lot of it has to do with feel. And, you know, every once in a while, you're going to stick a temperature probe in something to make sure that like, okay, I'm at that point where something needs to happen. But, um, so a lot of times are you just like touching the meat and feeling you just it? just look to get at it. I mean, you yeah. like you look at the pullback on a rack of ribs and you're like, okay. That's oh, so you're where the, when the meat starts to come off the yeah, bone. Off the bone. And you're like like okay. you just start to sort of know. Like, the pullback. All right. I like that. Did you ever use that phrase, Joe? <laughs> of course not. I'm going to start using the <laughs> pullback. Uh, uh, whatever. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, and there's just simple things. Like if you're doing a bone-in pork butt and you're like, damn, that looks fucking good. And you tug on the bone and it's not fucking it's sliding weird. out. It's not done. That's not done. And you just fucking let, keep it in there. And you're just like, okay. And, you know, I think everyone's got their own process and their own. I mean, you could watch those barbecue TV competition things all fucking day long. And every one of those shows, they're cooking the same fucking shit every show. I fucking watch them. I watch the same people do the same fucking ribs eight episodes in a row. I'm like, come on, Johnny but, Trick. So you can do a Johnny so Trick. Have, have you had that? You know, like, I root for these fucking guys, you know? Have, have you had that moment where, like, speaking of your kids, like, all right, guys, I'm making, like, pulled pork or whatever. We're eating at 7, and the next thing you know, it's, like, 10 p.m., and it's still not ready. You know, timing is a big part of it. <laughs> but this is my question. Yes. Because this is – cooking barbecue is 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 a, uh, a not a quick and easy thing. You have three children, and you have a, a day job. So, like, when is the time – well, for, for doing this, this experimentation, it's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not really a day job. I'm not. <laughs> it's not really it's a day not. job. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's not work. Um, <laughs> it's funny because then it becomes the thing that y- you can disappear into barbecue in a very therapeutic way. Okay. But okay. like, you need a little bit of fucking zen time where you're just staring at a temperature yeah. gauge, yeah, or looking at a fire and just trying to fucking get your coals just right. That's, I mean, that was one of the nice things. When I came home from tour for that first time, I was losing my mind. I was like, where's my day shoot? Where's catering? You know, I'm just Mm. like, what the fuck do I? So in this like kind of Zen way, you just have to go, and just sort of like stare at the smoke and make sure that the smoke is cool. And the kids know, let let daddy stare at the smoke. Well, eventually the kids just want to be involved. Oh yeah. So the kids now, like they, my wife's sick of it. She's like, can we not have barbecue yeah. tonight? Can we, can we not have smoky stuff can again? We not, so we please take a shower. He's yeah. like a fireman, you know. And wash all your clothes. <laughs> and your uh, hair. Yeah, totally. But um, yeah, but it you, it does take a really long time. I mean, it's when it comes to timing out things, like if I'm doing a bigger cook for 200 or 300 or 400 people, I know that like, not only do I have to make sure that my food is fucking good to go, but I have to make sure that like I'm ready to serve. Yeah. And you know, a big part of any, when you're cooking any bigger piece of meat and especially barbecue, like barbecue likes to rest, yeah. you know? Mm. So you don't want to pull a brisket out and just fucking start cutting it up for people. You want that shit to sit so that not that it, oh, you can't let it overcook, but you do want it to sort of rest to the point where the collagens and whatever within the meat is going to turn into that fucking butter. And then you can mm. go wham. So you can time things out that way. You don't want to fucking beat, but it's also ready when it's ready. So there have been times where I'm just looking at a butt and it's not fucking doing what it's supposed to. That's not a little weird. Yeah, sorry. When you're looking at me like that, that's the know. He's not doing what it's supposed to do. All right, quick break. More grow in a second. But first, this word from Snake River Farms. A steak on the grill is the ultimate summer meal, and a Snake River Farms American Wagyu Tomahawk is the ultimate steak. This 
is a richly marbled, two-inch thick cut steak attached to a long, exposed rib bone. Each steak weighs at least two and a half pounds. Snake River Farms cross breeds intensely marbled and highly prized purebred Japanese Wagyu cattle with traditional American cattle breeds and the result is Snake River Farms melt-in-your-mouth cuts with intense intermuscular marbling a la the Japanese Wagyu and the robust beef flavor of American beef. Snake River Farms optimizes the large amounts of marbling by slow feeding an average of three times longer than traditional U.S. commodity beef animals. All Wagyu steaks from Snake River Farms grade out well above USDA Prime and are available in all the classic steakhouse cuts like New York Strips, Filet Mignon, Porterhouse, Ribeye. Then you have your butcher favorites like Terrace Majors, the Bavette, the Picanha, the Flatiron, the Skirt Steaks. Go to snakeriverfarms.com and enter promo code HOUSE for 20% off your order. That's snakeriverfarms.com, promo code HOUSE. Can we put some shine on Dave Grohl? He just talked about cooking for 200 or 300, 400 yeah. people and he just blew <laughs> past it. What we're talking about when he says that, you know what he's doing, What what's what's... Who, who who's receiving this and what the point is and all the rest well, of no, it. Well, no, I want to get to that point. You went from cooking to your kids. Who, oh, yeah. Kids are, I would say this about kids, they may not be the most refined critics, but they're always the most honest critics. If they don't like something, they will let you know. It's true. Believe me, it's like I've, I've spent more time, I pay a lot more attention to my cayenne now that my kids are eating the mm, barbecue because yeah. if I hit something too hard with the cayenne, yeah, there's no turning like back. No, right? And I'll make a gigantic batch of sauce. Yeah. And then I'll and I'll have a pinch of it and be like, shit, I fucking like it's good for my like rock and roll friends. <laughs> yeah. They sweat balls while they're eating ribs, but my kids are just like, Daddy! Like they'll fucking lose their mind. So um, but yeah, it goes from doing that to then I mean, I was always like the grill guy. Yeah. So like, and I've always been like, you know, this is a great place to have a party. So 60 people would come over, 70 people would come over and I'd be fucking flipping burgers and doing whatever. But that eventually turned into the barbecue thing where now there's 50 people. And I went from the egg that Nate gave me within a month. I'm like, that's not fucking big enough. Yeah. So I got the bigger egg. And after a couple months, the parties went from 30 people to 50 people to 75 people. Now that egg's not fucking big enough. So then I get this fucking cabinet smoker from this thing place called uh, Meadow Creek. And it's basically just like a um, cabinet with a firebox and and a water pan and then seven racks in it. So now I could fucking cook for 100 people or more. I could do briskets up top and ribs. I could do briskets. I could do if I keep everything at one temperature, if I keep everything at 250, I can do my brisket at 250, my pork butt at 250, my ribs at 250. And I just pack that fucking cabinet with it. And try to time it so that it'll all come off around the same time. They all take different. So you start one earlier, put one in midway. The pork goes on first. It takes a little bit longer than the briskets and whatever. So then it goes from that to me. Actually, that fucking cabinet smoker thing. I was obsessed with this thing. I wasn't ready to go for like the trailer, the barrel on the trailer yet. I was like, fuck, I want to get one of those cabinet things. And I've been talking it up for months, showing my wife like, See, this thing is fucking badass. Like, look at this. It's so cool. And it's got this water trough pan thing. How rad is this? This is amazing. Christmas is coming up. And she's like, 
wait till you see what I fucking got you for Christmas. I'm like, she got me the fucking pig, man. I can't fucking wait. And then on Christmas Day, all the presents are opened up. And she's like, okay, here's your last big present. She hands me this envelope. And I open it up. And it was a fucking uh, Japanese toilet. (laughs) (laughs) One of those, like, spray your asshole toilets. And so I was like, thanks, man. And uh, believe me, it's the fucking best toilet I've ever had in my entire life. That fucking thing. A great Christmas present. That thing does some serious (laughs) shit. Cleaning. It's amazing. Uh, next day I'm online ordering the cabinet smoker thing, right? <laughs> so the cabinet smoker thing comes out and I do that for a while. And, you know, so then I was doing parties where I was, I was, I had both eggs going and the cabinet going at the same time. And, and at this point, people, when they said, oh my God, Dave, this is really good. Like you knew like, oh, they're not just saying that to be nice. Yes. You knew that what I'm making is, I knew is turning out people well. and they're, and people, and they're like, are you, you should open a restaurant, dude. You should do a restaurant. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. That sounds like a, a job. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> One of those. Small profit margin, a so, lot of hours. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that started happening a bunch. Um, then the parties started getting kind of bigger. And then then my wife started this thing in the Valley. It was called the Valley Urban Market. She and a couple friends, they had talked about doing something along the lines of like an Italy, oh, wow. right? Mm-hmm. But here in the Valley, in the San Fernando Valley, um, is busy and it's crowded and it's families and it's schools and it's um it's a great place for restaurants um it used to be kind of like like no one would open restaurants in the valley first of all the valley is like the least cool place in the fucking world okay (laughs) where i live where we are right now is considered like I don't even know what to compare it to. Like back home, what would it be in DC? What would the least cool place? Annandale, Springfield, Virginia, somewhere in Northern Virginia. Right, yeah. so I feel right yeah. at home yeah. here. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like the least cool place in the world. So when we first moved into this house 18 years ago, um, or 17 years ago, uh, my wife is born and raised here in the Valley, and we were looking at places that were sort of down in Studio City, closer to, kind of closer to civilization. Encino was considered to be really far away, which I would laugh at. I'm like, what the fuck? It's like seven miles. Yeah. It's not like we're in fucking Wichita, you know? With seven like, miles in LA traffic, it gets I realize so that there. now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, right. holy shit, this is we're out That's the why sticks. we're late today. <laughs> so, but anyway, but when we first moved here, like I would, bu- at the grocery store, I would bump into people like, like Mac, the German guy that produced a bunch of Queen records. Mm-hmm. Like, or Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics. He used to live right down the street. Tom Petty lived two blocks away. Dio lived fuck a block away. Ronnie fuck James. It. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so like this hood was kind of like where like rock dudes would rock go Canyon. high. You yeah. didn't know that when you moved? At all. Yeah. I just saw this house. I was like, how much is this? Fucking hey, let's get it. This is great. <laughs> and so... um, yeah, so it's not like the coolest place in the world. Anyway, so my wife started this project with some of her friends that was, they wanted to open something like Italy to like to do it like a brick and mortar version of that somewhere in the Valley, which would be hugely successful. I'm sure somebody else is already fucking doing it. It's gotta be because it's too easy of an idea. Like yeah. it would just, that like on Venture and Laurel Canyon, 
would be fucking like the customer base is there and ready for it. It'd just be insane. Yeah. It's like the epicenter of everything you see in this valley right here. All yeah. of this is like families and parents and kids that like don't want to fucking they get picked up from soccer practice. They don't want to cook dinner. They're gonna go to this valley urban market. That kid's gonna get a pizza. That kid's gonna get a cheesesteak. That person's gonna get barbecue. That person wants whatever. You know mm. what I mean? So they started this outdoor thing with food trucks. And she was like, Do you want to cook at it? And I'm like, fuck yeah. Absolutely. But I can't fucking drag a bunch of eggs in a cabinet <laughs> out there. So there was this one smoker that I had my eye on for a long time, made by a company called Lang. Lang barbecues, Lang smokers. They're made in uh, Georgia, I think. And they make a bunch of different versions. They make big ones and small ones and ones that are on trailers and ones that are for your... So I bought that Fat Boy. It's a Fat Boy 84. And uh, they delivered it out here. And I started cooking on it. And not only is it easier than any cooker I've ever fucking cooked on, it's a stick burner. It, you just throw logs in it. And, you know, the... So the, when, when, did, when did you get that then? I got that maybe eight months ago or something like that. So did you go to and do it? Yeah. So for, then I started cooking yeah. at these outdoor market things. And, and like, how like, many people would you serve? fucking i don't know 800 i don't know as money as the came yeah like i'm my buddy uh i have a a friend chef billy he's got a he's from tennessee and he's got a, a company called the beach pig and so billy came out with the beach pig and he was doing he had pork butts going and i was doing maybe he was doing briskets what was i doing i was doing briskets and butts and he was doing some butts on his smoker and we were just all serving together and it was fucking a lot of people but it was a long cook and so um so that's kind of where it started and then i wound up getting calls to do things like the la food bank thing and catering people's parties and just cook and i love cooking for a lot of people mm. you did something at the super bowl haven't cooked at the Super Bowl. No, we were gonna cook at the Super okay, Bowl, but I messed up my arm, no. so I couldn't yeah. do it. But um, but yeah, I mean, and and I just bought another fucking rig that's twice the size of that. Oh my god! So that I can start cooking for thousands of people. Okay, so <laughs> we've seen the charity stuff, the charity, the charitable works. I know you're being. I mean, well, like you know, the other thing was when we had those fires. That was really yeah. kind of the beginning of a lot yeah. of it. Yeah, we had those the Malibu fires. Yeah. So from here. It's a it's a crazy thing to live here because when there are fires, if you look out, you can see the mountains. Yeah, those mountains are sometimes on fire. Which is insane. Which is like, it's like when you see that stuff on the news on the East Coast. It's like it's biblical. You're like, exactly. what is going That's on? That's right. When you're East Coast people, right? Yeah. So when you're sitting here. And that side of that mountain is on fire. And you're just like, Jesus fucking Christ. That's fucking 20 miles away, whatever that is. And you could see the flames. like, yeah. and, and the flames are hundreds and hundreds of feet high. And you go to bed and you wake up at three in the morning and you look out. Now that entire mountain is on fire. Wow. It's been five hours and that whole mountain, now that's on fire. Now there's another one over there on fire. And, and like that whole, all you just see is fucking fire. Like the world is on fire. Yeah. And you're just like, fuck. So the Malibu one was crazy because um, it was, I'd never seen that before. And it was getting closer on the Calabasas side, right? The smoke, the wind was actually blowing that direction. So the smoke wasn't too bad here. 
and it was moving the fire in that direction. But like my kids are looking out at the mountains, just like, Daddy, are we are we okay? Like, are we gonna fucking are we gonna is our house gonna burn down? And I'd say, No, I think we're okay. You know, we're we're safe. If anything happens, we'll be safe. So I'm watching these evacuation centers on TV. And these poor people have like have just had to like just split and yeah, fucking just go, and go to like yep, to yeah. somewhere with all of these other families. and they and just wait and cross their fingers and hope that they'll have a home to come back to and that nobody gets hurt. And I'm like watching them on TV, just like God, could you fucking imagine? So I thought, okay, you know what? I'm gonna drag my smoker to one of those places and I'm gonna go cook for everybody. Just fucking give them some food so mm-hmm. that at least they feel like something will make them feel better. Hopefully. Then I started thinking, maybe a big smoked brisket is the wrong thing to give. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know if that's what they want to have right now. So I don't know if I do? want to pull up and like yeah. blast a bunch of hickory yeah. in yeah. front of them. And um, I thought, well, maybe I'll feed the firefighters. Yeah. So one of the guys that used to run our website ages ago, this guy, Jonathan Schumann, actually retired from the Foo Fighters internet business and became a firefighter so we contacted him and he said absolutely i'm sure the guys would love it and they gave me six or eight different fire stations to go to and this is in the middle of all of these guys like running out there for 32 hours and busting ass and then coming back and taking a shower and going and so um so i just cooked a ton of food i filled that thing cooked hundreds of pounds of briskets and butts and um made these care packages for each one of the fire stations. Everybody got a brisket, everyone got a butt, pulled it, made sauce, buns, slaw, and just went to each place and just gave it to them. Like, you know, thank you. And fucking, I hope you guys are okay. And I mean, it's insane. Like you see these guys and they're fucking heroes. Like they're running into a fire. Literally. Yes. They're running into a fire to keep your house from disappearing. Yeah. And it, it blew my mind. And you meet these guys and they're so thankful that you're there. There's like, man, you didn't have to do that. Like, really? Because, yeah, you didn't have yeah. to <laughs> keep California from burning down. Like, yeah. oh my God, these guys were fucking amazing. And so, um, so word got out uh, that, that I was cooking a bunch. And right around that time, I had started this backbeat idea this backbeat barbecue, which really uh, originally the idea was like, here's the thing. I don't really want a fucking restaurant. I've talked to people about opening a restaurant. I just want to go park outside of like the Slayer show and cook a bunch (laughs) of barbecue. I want to park outside of the fucking Harley dealership and cook a bunch of barbecue. I want to go to like the LA food bank thing. I want to go to like this church or I want to go to this show or I want to, I just want to go like cook places where people will actually be super stoked that you're cooking and to be the one that's cooking and serving. Like, cause that's the fun, you know, when, when like a Foo Fighters fan comes up with a plate in their hand and I'm fucking all nasty from cooking for 13 hours and I'm handing them a fucking pulled pork sandwich. It's like, what's up? Yeah. You know, it's not like some arena rock shit. It's mm-hmm. like, keep it moving, motherfucker. Like, here's your sandwich. But you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. kind of cool. I like to be able to yeah. do that. It's fucking fun. So, so right now, sorry. All right, so, where where do you see Backbeat in a year from now? Like, what do, what do you want to do? What don't you want to do in terms of like growing it or you know? Well, you know, one of the people, great the bar the 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 barbecue Cinderella story here in the in the San Fernando Valley is 
Trudy's Underground Barbecue. Do you know about Trudy's? No. Okay. You need to talk to Bert, the guy that does Trudy's. This guy is a fucking badass, right? You can ask him his story, but he basically just got really into barbecue, I think, from going to Franklin, That's like in Austin, right? Sure. He comes home from Franklin and he starts cooking. He starts getting really good at it. He builds this radical smoker that he it, he named it Trudy. Everybody, you got to name your fucking smoker. Yeah. So he fucking- what's, uh, what's yours? That's Darlene. Oh. So fucking, so, um, so, so he starts making brisket out of his driveway or backyard or something. And um, he was kind of like selling tickets, I think on Instagram. You have to ask him the whole story. But he basically started getting written up the best brisket in Los Angeles is in this dude's backyard mm. in the valley, right? That like went for a while. And it's funny when I first, he's he was like, I don't know who to compare him to. He's, he was like a, a rock, like a fucking barbecue rock star in Los Angeles. But I didn't know like who he was or what he looked at. Like I just heard like that Trudy's, yeah. Trudy's Underground. That's the shit, man. That's the number one. Like, wow. And there's a lot of places you can go to get, there's little markets, a lot of markets here in the Valley on the weekends, they'll make barbecue. Like if it's like a mom and pop market that has like a meat counter in the back, usually on the weekends, they'll be out doing chicken or, uh, or, uh, or tri-tip or something outside on the weekends. And you can find a lot of fucking good barbecue there, not at restaurants, but at those markets. Anyway, so when I was cooking for one of those Valley urban market things at the sportsman's lodge in the valley I'm fucking sitting out there at two in the morning drinking a Coors Light in a fucking lawn chair and this dude comes up and he's like it smells good <laughs> what uh what are you cooking and I'm like oh I'm just doing butts and some briskets ah what kind of wood are you using I'm he like, sounds very uh, erudite he, wait till you meet him yeah. you got it you, I mean if while you're here you have yeah. to I'll text him right now and be like dude you gotta do this thing well, what's our dinner plan he's yeah, amazing exactly. well it's, here's the thing okay long story short he had to stop doing the thing out of his I think he had, because I think he got busted yeah. like, uh, you can't, can't sell food out of yeah. your yeah. 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 I think <laughs> so he opened a place in yeah. Hollywood yeah. it's called Slab okay it's on 3rd and Crescent and he and so his name's Bert he is the guy He's the Trudy's underground barbecue dude. And he's kicking fucking ass with this barbecue thing right now. I saw him. When he came up to you, did he know who you were? Or was yeah, he yeah. Like, we, like, so we have mutual friends, but I'd never met girl. him before. Okay, yeah. Like well, my brother-in-law knows him and stuff. Yeah. And he came up and I, at first I was like, who's this guy? Like yeah. he's asking like what kind of wood and the temperature yeah. and stuff. And then I realized like, oh, oh shit, that's fucking you. What's up? And then we're doing shots of Yang or whatever. <laughs> and um, so, uh, but yeah, so now he has a place, right? I think it was like his life dream. It, it's, it's, it seems like, I mean, look, I love being able to like cook and I love, when you're when you look and you see a line of 400 people yeah waiting to come around and you know you're gonna sell out like i only have enough meat to fucking serve three-fourths of these people um but to watch them come by the line and you get to hang and everyone's having a beer and it's outside and it smells like a fucking barbecue and there's music mm. usually everywhere i cook there's fucking music yeah. the last big one i did was this like Dimebag Daryl Pantera party oh, wow. at the fucking Nam convention. Yeah. <laughs> it was fucking awesome. It was great. And there, you know, Rita Haney, who runs the whole thing, and 
they're like I did some Texas shit. And yeah. so like you're just fucking doing shots of crown and drinking beers and <laughs> serving food. <laughs> like it's I know, a, I know I'm talking to Bone Appetit. No, right <laughs> like, welcome to my fucking yeah, world. Our like, let me tell you. Wait, so so with now with backbeat, it's like, all right, I, I got a thing going. I got the routine down and I can do it when I want to do it, but it's not like running a restaurant where you gotta do it every single day. Right. All right. Last question, which we ask all of our guests, um, butter or olive oil? Butter. Oh, my God. Everything's better with butter, right? Isn't that what they say? <laughs> they do. Dave Grohl, thank you so much. Later, Holmes. All right, there we go, my taste buds. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Dave Grohl and Rappo. Like I said at the beginning, lots more of this conversation available currently on the Bon Appetit podcast Foodcast, you can find it wherever you get your podcast. That's Foodcast by Bon Appetit. Type in Dave Grohl. It comes right up. You, there's also a great story in the current issue, the grilling issue of Bon Appetit magazine on newsstands right now, as you would expect. Nice big picture of DG in his uh, barbecue garb. Speaking of DG in his barbecue garb, we have some pics going up on our Instagram at the House of Carbs to see some pics of Grohl and also a couple pics of, of the food that uh, Brian Curtis ate. You can also check out Grohl's uh, barbecue business, Backbeat Barbecue. The Twitter handle and the Instagram handle are the same at Backbeat Barbecue. That's at B A C K B E A T B B Q, both on Instagram and on Twitter. You can check out what Dave's got going on. That's it for this week by Hungry Homies. We shall be back next week. Until then, let's stay hungry out there. (laughs) 